This is Leaders Who Scale, and I'm Jeff Siegel. I've worked with thousands of companies over the years, and I'm fascinated by seeing how many of them grow and scale. Join me as we learn from the leaders of growing companies and share that knowledge. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class accounting, advisory, and QuickBooks and Acumatica Cloud ERP services. Today's guest is a commercial and residential security hardware professional, a leader in security hardware for major institutions in the Boston area. He's the manager director and does business development for Brookline Law Company, a company formed in 1925. Welcome, Dan Heiligers. Jeff, how are you? Good, Dan. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, participating in this podcast. Love would just love to hear um, how you're scaling your business. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. I'm going to just jump right in. Uh, what is the most challenging, or I should say your most challenging uh, aspect of scaling and growing Brookline Lock? Uh, it's a, that's a, a loaded question, but uh, I would say that scaling the business, the hardest part is making sure you have the right infrastructure um as well as having the the right team and personnel um you know those two are are key no pun intended uh parts of, of scaling a business is, is it um is it difficult in your business to find the right people i mean you're you know well of course um you know this is this is considered a, a trades business um, and as everyone knows, uh, most parents wanted their kids to grow up to be doctors, lawyers, accountants, so on and so forth. Right. And so because of that, the trade industry is, is, you know, taking it in. Um, but, but what I've been doing is, uh, th there are some schools around here that have, um, door hardware and key and, and lock focused classes. And been finding those personnel uh, along with uh, competitors of the likes and growing a team around that uh, through knowledge and also people interested in the industry. Well, that's cool. I mean, like you, like you said, it, it has to be difficult because, um, you know, people, you know, the, the parents push their kid to go to college. Although I think in this day and age, you're seeing a lot of people, um, go to into the trades i mean there's a there's a shortage and i think um from what i've seen is there are a lot of um people who feel like the cost of college may not be worth you know the job they they get when they get out i completely agree i mean yeah. the, the salaries are comparable now um in the trades versus you know going into these major corporations um we're, we're desperate yeah comes to Anything from, you know, you're saying trades as in service techs. Yes. But I'm also saying individuals and inside and outside sales and, you know, accounting, you have to know, you have to know our industry uh -huh. to be able to sell the product. It's, it's not, it's not like selling, I don't know, disaster recovery software. Right. Where you, you can read about it and know it. This is, you know, hands-on trades business and we're, we're selling the hardware. Uh, so you have to know what you're talking about. Yep. It's interesting. Cause when I was looking up Brookline lock, it's been around since 1925. So mm -hmm. how was it jumping into that after uh, I'm not, you know, I can't remember how long you've been there, but 
a company that's been around probably its own culture, uh, its own norms for the almost a hundred years. And then you, you came in and started taking that over. So I'm just curious what kind of challenges you faced even initially. Uh, so initially walking into the door, you know, someone, someone who is an extrovert and, and loves speaking with people, I was, I was intimidated. Um, and what I realized was, is you can't, you can't run this company like corporate America. No. So what I did was I walked in and I got dirty. I went on the road. I learned the parts. I learned how to install because without the trust of the current employees that were at Brookline I would never be able to scale it by any means because you have to get everyone on the boat first. Uh -huh. So once everyone's on the boat that you're, you know, the idea that you're creating, that's when you're able to actually begin to think about scaling. You can't scale yet. First, you have to learn the business before you do anything. You have to be able to do what every single person in your company does. And that's what I learned. Um, so I went out, I installed door closers. I installed mortise logs. I learned the lingo. I learned the competition, the vendors. And that took about two to two and a half years before I was even able to start my infrastructure, which was a software to for accounting, any sort of personnel to build a sales team, bring in new customers. You have to know the lingo and be able to, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. What, was it a challenge with existing people? They're just people of in course. the course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, I definitely butted heads with a lot of current uh, employees, but I, I just kept pushing my, my idea that <laughs> which, which is, in, is institutional sales, white glove service, 24 to 48 hours. It doesn't exist in my industry. And with, with such a older generation in my, in my industry, I knew that if I was able to bring it into my idea, you know, if I, my, if I was able to bring my ideas to fruition, that I would have such a competitive advantage because of uh, express service that I have and the way that I'm bringing all of my technology into 2022, these companies that I'm looking at are still writing on pieces of paper when I'm having all my customers send me pictures, send me part numbers and via email. And what this does is it just expedites everything. I'm able to flip that over to a, a, vend a, a distributor. And 24, 48 hours, it's at, you know, I'm able to deliver it. So it's all about efficiency to, and effectiveness to make our company really grow. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned just emailing pictures. I mean, it seems like that's something that was done like five or 10 years ago and people are even beyond that, but it sounds like you, your industry is very antiquated and you're just trying to get it into those, you know, 21st century. Literally call it a I call it a bunch of dinosaurs. Yeah. You know. I'm probably the youngest, you know, manager, director, whatever you want to call me on, mm -hmm. um, by 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's really, it's really interesting to look at all of my competitors and actually see that there are no succession plans and there, 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 there are no younger generation taking over the business, which is a necessity. It's security. It's door hardware. Um, taking over it and bringing it up to date. 
So that's a huge competitive advantage for me in, in, in reference to the rest of my customers. I mean, competitors. Well, you know, it sounds like there could even be an opportunity there, right? Because you're, you're growing this company and with technology and more efficiencies and, you know, becoming more effective and a lot more um, customer centric that you could, you could acquire some of these companies. I'm not sure if, I mean, we've never talked about that, but whether that's even. Oh, of course. So like, I, I've thought about it. I've thought about it uh, a lot. I've come across in my six years, I've come across two companies that I thought would be a good idea to purchase. Okay. And I ran the numbers, um, you know, finance is my background. So I was able to really, you know, dive into it. And then when I took a step back and I looked at the price, uh, what I'm purchasing and then I thought about it, what exactly am I purchasing? What, what is, what is a quarter of a million dollars worth to me purchasing some door hardware company? I'm buying a Rolodex when then I took a step back again and I was like, wait a second, they have no succession plan. So if they have no succession plan and I'm going to purchase you, if I just let you die out, naturally, I'm just going to get your customers. So because it's such a small neighborhood, it is, it is Boston, it is Massachusetts. These customers are bound to come to me because they have no other um, outlet for their door hardware. Hmm. And you're not walking into a Home Depot and purchasing the hardware that I'm selling, um, for example, um, you go into a hospital and, and you wave your hand over to the sensor and that opens up the door. That's three or four different types of door hardware that I sell to a hospital that you need to just get this door open where, where it's a sensor, where it's an automatic door operator, where it's the hinges. Um, those products you're not buying from a box store. That's you need a knowledgeable you know, door hardware professional to help you get the product that you need. What percentage of your business is really kind of, let's just say commercial versus just someone like me that wants a door handle? When I, when I started about six or so years ago, it was, say it was 70, 30, 70% residential, 30% commercial. I can mm-hmm. say we are probably at 95.5 now flipped, oh. 95% commercial, 5% residential. And yeah. uh, that was really my focus. Um, high volume, small, you know, higher discounts, mm-hmm. moving the product and moving boxes versus moving onesie twosies to residential and actually doing the installs. What's a, what's a typical uh, install look like as far as timing is, are we talking projects? Cause I, I assume you're not going out and putting in, you know, one access panel somewhere or one you're, you're doing a, you know, so it, it depends on what you're referencing on the residential side. It could be a typical $500 service call where I go out and I stall, um, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'm just gonna put it in layman's terms, a lock yeah. it front door. Um, but on the flip side, you know, something, something like this that I just pulled off my desk, which is a, you know, a, a $20,000 job for a university is a full day installing, you know, door operators and, uh, exposing, you know, top jams and, uh, ways to enter and handicap accessible. Those, those are the jobs that I'm really focusing on when I do service. Mm-hmm. Which they are, they are money makers, but also then you own the door. 
So that's why I'm trying to limit my service to, to what I think is profitable and what I won't own forever. Mm-hmm. Really work on that Amazon outlook of 24, 48 hours, white club service. You know exactly what you want. You're head of facilities for some major real estate conglomerate. You send me the parts and I will deliver it to you that day and or, or, or the day after. And that's kind of how I'm positioning my business to grow up. So you need a lot of, you need a lot of sales people with knowledge mm-hmm. a needle in a haystack. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that tough to transfer? I mean, like you mentioned earlier, you, you kind of jumped in and went on the road and became a technician for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But as you grow, it sounds like as you bring on more salespeople, I'm not sure how many you have, but you, you, they have to almost do the same thing. It sounds like, right. They have to go on the road. They have to learn the, the lingo and learn the hardware a little bit and do the article. Yeah. Okay. It's, you got to learn the hardware and that's where I'm able to find experienced personnel as well as inexperienced and have, and, and have some mentoring here. Mm-hmm. I have. People as, as, as young as, uh, 21 to as, to as old as 75, hmm. um, my, in my, my age range is, is, is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'm trying to do is, is have succession plans where people are able, you know, you have somebody running the outside sales, inside sales, you need, you need a succession plan for him. If, he or she is ready to step down and, and retire. There's gotta be someone, you know, there to step in. And I think, or I don't think I know that is the biggest issue in our industry. There right. is just, nobody's thinking that far ahead. And for somebody as young as myself, who wants to run this business and grow it for the next 30, 40 years, that's what you have to do. You have to have standards set and, and backup plans and different ideas and and continue the growth. Do you have like a team in place that you kind of, uh, strategize about the growth? I mean, you have a number in your mind, you know, at the end of it that you want to be at every year or five year or 10 year point. So, um, when I started with a sales team, uh, the one thing I did was I, I created what we call a round table every Thursday at four o'clock, we just sit down. There, there are no objectives, just sit and legitimately speak about your week and the new customers you brought in, mm-hmm. new individuals you spoke with, new products you had to deal with. And really what it's done was it allowed us to really strategize and grow, or not grow, but forecast what we're going to do in the coming months. Yeah. Or you bring on a big municipality, I, I can't keep my hands on every single customer. So I sit down with you Thursday and you say, Hey, I just brought in, you know, I'm just going to use this as an example, the town of, you know, Jeff, the town of Jeff. I wouldn't know that you brought in town of Jeff, um, unless I actually see a sound. So you bring them in, you quote them. It's great to hear about it. And they pass along the names and the numbers and I, I reach out and the personal touch of a small business on these big municipalities, it goes, it goes so far. They really think that you, 
you know, they don't think they know that you care about their business. And, and when you're saying you'll deliver in 24, 48 hours, they're like, what are you talking about? This has never happened before. How are you going to do that? I said, just don't worry and watch. And, and I have, you know, knock on wood, I've yet to fail on that. And when I have, there's been a good explanation of why. Right, yeah. For example, what's going on right now with the lack of chips. Uh, but people are understanding uh, of, of not being able to get inventory because of, of lack of product from the distributors or the vendors. You get involved like in the software end of things too? When, you know, a lot of these. Um, I, you know, I, so, yeah, so I, I dabble in it. Okay. I, um, my main focus is mechanical. And then I do, op, you know, automatic operators as well. But when it comes to the access control, I mean, that's a beast of its own. They have their own, you know, their own businesses that focus predominantly on access control. So everyone's getting into that because it's 2022 and access control is, is everything, but you still need your mechanical keys. You still need your mechanical locks. That'll, that'll be around forever. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, that's your core and that's where you're going to focus that core mechanical, you know, don't try to be, you know, everything for everyone. So no, I always say, I keep my blinders on. Yeah. I am aftermarket sales. So, uh, building gets put up construction company warranties it for 365 days by day 366, you need new product mm -hmm. come to me. You show me what's broken. I'll give you that exact product. I don't try and reinvent the wheel. Yeah. I'm just trying to do it better than everyone else. Well, and it sounds like, tell me about just in general, uh, you don't have to give me numbers, but what's the growth been like for since you started, you know, just, yeah, you could talk about people or just in general. Ten times, hmm? ten times probably. Wow. Okay. And, and, and that's what, seven years or so? Yeah. That's yeah. Um, because. It, it, we're not dealing with apples to apples. You know, you're dealing with my company that was, what did I say, 90 or whatever, 60, 40 or 70, 30, I forget the exact breakout of residential to commercial. I mean, you're dealing with a couple of hundred dollars versus tens of thousands of dollars sure. per sale. Yeah. So it's, it's very hard. Um, we try to, we're, we're trying to hit our $5 million-ish dollar mark this year. Mm -hmm. Um which is great. Yeah, no, that sounds wonderful. I started with five employees here. I think we're almost at 20. Okay. Wow. That's tremendous growth. Yeah. I mean, is it tough to manage them or do you have a team that so, works? Right. So that's, that's what I'm working on. Yeah. I've, I've never done this before. Uh, this is, this is all, I'm just doing it on the fly. It's, it seems to be going okay. I definitely <laughs> hit some bumps in the road. Yeah. I, I, I did. I did know that you need, you need some right hand men and women to help navigate the business for you. Yeah. Uh, so I have one individual who's running all the sales and I have another individual who's running all the, um, finance. Okay. Um, and then it breaks out from there everywhere from, I have you know, inside sales to people running the key shop to people. Um, in the service industry. And when I think about it, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, someone who wore a suit and tie to work every day, um, in, in Manhattan and then going, going to this, it's, uh, 
it, it's very interesting to, to see the different type of personnel that you deal with on each end of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to ask you about your prior experience in a minute, but just this whole concept is interesting because you, like you said, you've grown from like five to 20 mm-hmm. and just how that is a, how that's working out. Cause I assume those first couple of years, like you said, it, you weren't even trying to grow, right? You're trying to learn the business. And then it just, yeah. it started taking off from there and, um, really growing that team to kind of manage that process yeah. must've been pretty, you know, pretty it, I failed. Like, I failed. I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not batting a thousand. Definitely. Yeah. Not. Um, I had one, one individual who, who I tried being my right hand man who didn't have any knowledge in the industry. Was yeah. uh, working on the business versus in the business. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But in this in this environment, this twenty person built you know company, which is was was probably about six when I was with him, five or six. You have to work both in it in the business and on the business. Yeah. Uh, so he he was no good. Um, and then I hired another individual who was an awesome service technician, but awful businessman yeah yeah so you know i had two ends and mm-hmm. i had a, i was i was uh I, I was very distraught about the whole issue of finding somebody to help me grow the business because you can't do it yourself it's a physical impossibility you need partners in, the, right. in this business i i it took me six years and i finally found an individual an individual and uh, the other individual I found, I found her probably three years ago. Okay. And they're, they're, they're both just awesome. I mean, we're great. We're a great team. Everyone brings their own um, ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, on the board behind me, I'm sure you just see a bunch of scribble. Yep. We're building a brand new state-of-the-art website. I mean, how cool is that? A door hardware company building a state-of-the-art website? Like, <laughs> it's- you know? It doesn't make yeah. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> we're 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 googling all these different competitors around the area, and we don't see anybody with what we're what we're trying to do. Yeah. Be state of the art. Make it easy for our customers. I always say, be the puzzle piece. All we are is a puzzle piece. Fit right. In. You know, you have people getting plumbing supply, door hardware, electrical. Just fit in. Just be nice. Yeah. Awesome. Do you see yourself? still working on and in are you starting to do more on you know like, so, right yeah uh we're we're, we're cutting at that awkward teenage age of, of 20 people uh where i'm starting to really try and work more on the business mm-hmm. because yes i could work in the business all day long but uh, no i've taken a step back i'm working on the business uh for example this marketing i mean that's working on the business yeah HR meetings for employee handbooks. I mean, things that I've just never thought that I would ever, I, I, I obviously didn't think the business was going to pop the way it did, mm. but it has. I'm going to just, as, as I'm, as I'm moving along, figuring I need employee handbooks and new websites. And before, before this, Jeff and I were speaking about, uh, you know, new softwares and it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Uh, it's really, you know, snowballing into a legitimate company, which yeah. <laughs> I've had sometimes. It's, uh, you know, 
doing the same thing in my own business, it's a little scary at the same time. There was a point where I knew every single client and I knew every issue that every client had for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point where you know, somebody brings up a client, you're like, who's that? Oh, they're a client of ours. So you get to that point where you, you're working on the business. So you start to lose a little, I don't say lose touch, but you're not ingrained in the technical aspect of the business and you're focusing on growth and like you said, hiring the right people and. But you trust them, but you, yeah. you the people that you hired who are bringing in the customers, it, it's a, it, there's a big trust factor. Yeah. That, that's, and, yeah. you know, for myself personally, inventory is a huge issue, obviously with, with what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Getting, getting all the product is, is almost near impossible, but I'm trusting my employees to, to check the inventory and make sure everything's up to snuff. Right. Setting like max and mins. And I mean, we're, we've really developed into, I hate to say it, but a legitimate door hardware company. It's like you woke up one day and you had a company, huh? Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> wasn't ordering, that hobby anymore? <laughs> right. I'm like ordering all this swag for my employees and you know, sending out marketing campaigns. It's, it's really, I'm having an awesome time with it. Yeah. Are you a member of any groups or anything that you're doing this on your own or do you have a kind of I advisors mean, or mentors? You have groups. There are these groups, but again, it's, it's a, dying industry that is accessed to me. So I don't have any peers in the industry. Sure. So I'm kind of just going at it and they call me the young cowboy in the industry or whatever they, I don't know. It's, it's great. So what is right now? What's your, what's your biggest challenge? We've talked about a bunch of things, people, infrastructure, um, this change from residential to commercial, like as you're going through. Again, my biggest issue. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to do about it is, is personnel. I mean, yeah. ha, how do you find a door hardware expert? It's gotta be tough. Have you thought about, and I'm just, as, as you're talking, have you thought about train, do you train? Will you, will you like a training program? We bring yeah, in we people they they pay and you know. we have, um, currently we have two green, greener. You know, they, they are carpenters, but mm-hmm. door hardware is, is, they have known nothing about, and they just ride along with our service techs and they learn and, you know, is, is it cost beneficial for me today? No, but six months from now, hopefully, you know, it's awesome. And they're all off to the races on their own. Sure. Uh, that's, that's one way I'm doing it. Another way I'm doing it is I'm having people just inside, um, doing, doing the, the, the dirty work, the stocking our inventory mm-hmm. I tell them, I said, listen, I did this. The, the way I learned is I opened up every box. I read every label. I learned the part numbers. I learned the lingo. And those are like kind of two avenues I'm taking to, to bring people up to speed. But in reference to finding people, I mean, how many, how many friends do you have or, or younger kids do you know? We're like, I'm going to go in the door hardware industry. You just don't have, yeah, <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. I mean, nobody, th- nobody thinks of that. I, I nobody would never have thought of that. It's like, you know, going to be a blacksmith. Um, it's but, but on the flip side, it, it is a necessity in this, in this world. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I'll, I'll reference hospitals. Think about how, how much they've been abused the past two years um, because of everything going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, 
all the all the components that go into a door. No one ever thinks about it, but there are there could be ten thousand dollars on a door, more, one single door in a hospital. You know, the you have you have that automatic operator that opens and closes it. You have the kick plates that uh, when the stretchers bump into it, it doesn't ruin the door. It has the hinges. It, I mean, I could go on forever unless you're in the industry or have anyone associated with it. You don't think about it. You just wave your hand and open the door and you walk in and you go great. But it's, it's a necessity in, in this world and not many people are going into it. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. No, it sounds, and so that, that's why I was interested in talking to you. Cause like, you know, I don't have a lot of, um, people I know in the industry, in the locksmith industry. So you, you don't, you don't right. even Well, my competitors are, you know, winding down their business. Yeah. Legitimately doing the total opposite and just ramping up. Right. So it's, it's, it's just so cool to watch the, the influx of, of customers and, and games that you're bringing in, you know, big universities and hospitals and mm-hmm. municipalities just coming in and you're like, where were you all this time? And I'm like, well, I'm just building up now. So right. they're loving it. They see a young guy at, at the helm running, running the ship here and they know we're not going anywhere for 40 years and they're not going to have to worry about thinking about a new door hardware supplier for many years to come. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. Cause when I, when I've thought about locksmiths before I met you, it was always like the local small little retailer on the, you know, at the, like a hardware store almost going and buy, you know, rekey something or buy a handle. You, you don't think of a commercial enterprise, or at least I didn't. Uh, maybe no, I don't lost on me. Yeah. Yeah. So mm, no, we, we, we have legitimate offices and not, not your mom and pop. Right. It's a door hardware company on the corner. It's a totally different vibe than, than what people expect, which is kind of cool. Um, Having people come in, it's just awesome. You know, these, these uh, uh, reps who come in and represent all these manufacturers and they come in here and they see what we are compared to other door hardware companies. It's unbelievable. Yeah. No, if we soak a lot of money in, into the infrastructure, I think it's paid off. Yeah. And it sounds like it's going to continue to pay off, uh, mm-hmm. especially with your new, um, your new website, the marketing you're doing. I'm sure yeah. I'm probably going to see you on your own podcast at some point, right? Because how many, how many lock podcasts are out there, right? That talk about hardware and yeah, that's no, what thing. There you go. There's a marketing opportunity for you. There you go. Right. Awesome. Throw, it, throw it out there. Yeah, seriously. Um, but just, uh, just to change the subject a little bit, just tell me about who you are. Like, I, I assume that you did not like go to school to become a locksmith. Well, you mentioned it. You joined yeah. the business and learned it. But tell me, you know. Born and raised in school. New York. What was your background? Born and raised in New York. Went to school. Father told me I'm going to go into business school. I said, "All right." I went to uh, Syracuse University. Graduated in 2010 with a uh, degree in accounting and finance. Awesome. My father really wanted me to become an accountant. I realized quickly after graduating, not at the greatest of times of 2010, that it was absolutely nothing what I wanted to do. Um, so you didn't have fun in accounting, like, someone, <laughs> come on. no, there's no, this just the crunching those numbers by myself. got a little lonely. 
Yeah, I got. I have my little, uh, you know, ten key back here, or a hundred key, I guess. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You look like you use that a lot. I do. <laughs> um, so I uh, was working in the commercial real estate world um, in Manhattan, doing um, commercial real estate underwriting and origination for a uh, Floridian-based bank called Bank United. Um, I've worked there for. Uh, I think five years, uh, you know, don't quote me exactly six years, something like that. And then this opportunity came about where my uh, wife wanted to relocate to Boston and uh, move close to her family. Um, so this opportunity of, of taking a business, family owned, small mom and pop, Brooklyn lock and putting my twist on it and seeing kind of what I could do. I've never ran a business before. I've never uh, been in the door hardware industry before. And, you know, I, I was nervous. And coming into it, I had this whole idea. You know, how could I, how could I make it better without reinventing the wheel? And that's, that's you know, when you say scaling a business, that's the best way to do it. Um, because you're really just tweaking the, the issues that have presented themselves for the past hundreds of years. Um, and that's where I came up with this, this white glove service. And it's always been on my mind, white glove service, Amazon, how can I be like that? Deliver stuff super quickly, you know, make, make smaller margins, but, but turn it, but turn it, have the inventory, have everything available, have the right connections with the manufacturers to get the right answers and get the product as quickly as humanly possible. And, uh, it's kind of slowly come to fruition. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, actually seeing it work, you know, I have, what is he? He's an inside sales, uh, individual. He's going to go run to the distributor right now, pick up the hardware and go drop it off at my customer and my customer. You know, but I do whatever it takes to, you know, to satisfy the customer. Because if you satisfy the customer and you keep them happy, they're not going anywhere. So it's, it's all evolving, but you know, if you keep these small little, you know, points on your mind at all times, white glove service, keep the customer happy, scale the business, fit in like a puzzle. I keep all these little, you know, sayings in my head mm -hmm. and I, we, I just keep pushing it to people. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're having fun, actually. I mean, I get, I'm loving it. I, yeah, I, I go to work every day. So excited. Yeah. Uh, and people are like, I got to work today at, I don't even know what time, seven, seven, 15. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be here all day. I'll be here all day and night. I just love it. Speaking with the customer, speaking with the employees, speaking with, you know, people just in, in Brookline actually watching the formation of my company is so interesting and, and people are excited about it. My own employees are excited. And when they're excited, that's what gets me in though. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited just listening to you and I, I've been to your location obviously, mm -hmm. and I've watched you go from, you know, a small office upstairs cramped with two other people down to, sure. you know, redoing your whole, um, you know, downstairs with offices and more equipment and more people and 
it's great watching this evolution of what, what you're doing with the business. I mean, it's, it's you're tremendous. It's, you've yeah. seen it from the start. Um, I'm actually lucky I found you. You saved me in a, in a oh, thanks. Ways. Um, when it came to what software is to purchase, um, had that little computer that I used as like a server. That's right. Yes. Uh, phones. I mean, you did it all. New phone service, computers. You, I, I, I do, I do, uh, Jeff, I do call you a lot. <laughs> well, I don't want to make it about me, but I'm glad I was able to help you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to give a plug to QuickBooks because I think it's helped you and we've kind of added an enterprise version and, you know, started to get more into inventory, like, like you said earlier. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to watch you grow and continue to grow. Um, and then I know you, you mentioned earlier, well, before we recorded that you have two little kids. So tell me, what do you do outside of work? And I'm assuming it's like watching the, the being with a family, your passions Um, outside of work. I am, I am super family oriented. Awesome. Which is, which is great. Two boys. Yep. Uh, Sam, who will be three on Sunday. And, awesome. Uh, Dylan, who will be one in March. We have a great, awesome family. My wife and I, Jenna, uh, I think are awesome parents when it comes to going to the playground and watching Well, you know, Paw Patrol and sure. I'm just your average, you know, average dad. That's awesome. Having a lot of fun with them. And I make it a point to have a good work life balance. Yeah. I worked in finance and I saw a lot of my uh, mentors work long, long hours, really not see their kids. Yeah. And there's, you can't do that. You got You got to see your kids and enjoy life and, and meet people and the people I've met outside of work, I've actually brought them in to help me grow in, in many different ways, mm-hmm. help fitting the basement gear to, you know, redoing, I mean, there's just so many crazy things I did. Redid a roof here. You know, I just met so many people outside of work through, through my town that they actually help me with work. So the, the, my, my life, my work-life balance is, is very key. Well, it sounds like you've got the right team also that's helped. I mean, I've, I've talked to many people, including myself earlier on where, you know, you spend all your time working because you're almost like a one-armed, you know, coat hanger. Yep. Um, but building the team around you, like you've already, you've been doing seems, you know, is, is oh, it's a necessity. Yeah. You, you need. You can't do it yourself. And the ones who do it themselves stay that mom and pop trades type business. Yeah. When you start building a team and you start trusting your, your coworkers, I mean, they, they're my coworkers, mm-hmm. they know their stuff. Yep. Then that's when it all comes. That's when it all comes about. That's when the business grows. new customers, you know, new ideas, you know, it wasn't my idea to build a new website. But it was somebody else's and they brought it to my attention and I couldn't be more excited, but it just shows that teamwork is, is the whole, is yeah. and you know, I know it's a cheesy line. There's no I in team and blah, blah, but it's the truth. I mean, seriously, you need a team to grow your business. And I've tried it myself. I've tried it with people that I forced to do it. You need people who want to work with you. 
That is that is true. What I've learned in my own business, they they have to want it. They have mm -hmm. to have the capacity, you know, to do it. You know, there's there's a lot of like in our own business, we have some core values, and you know, they, do they check those boxes? And uh, but the biggest thing is, yeah, do they they do they really want it? Um, yeah. So um, as opposed to somebody who's just looking for a job, and you know, they don't yeah. really have any desire to help the business grow as a team. They just, you know, looking for a paycheck and that's not the type of people that, you know, you, you'd want to hire. So yeah. sounds yeah. like you're doing wonderful at that. So, um, so where can people find you? I know, I think you're on LinkedIn, right? Um, find me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Daniel Heiliger, right? On LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. L-I-G-E-R-S. Okay. My website. You can call it. Lock.com. Brooklinelock.com. You can give me a call. 617-566-1212. Call me all day. 1212. Okay. Is that, the, is that like a, uh, the local like police line somewhere? You're right. You did your call in the cops. No, 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 no. You're getting me. Yeah, right. I don't want to be in a dire emergency in 1212 and get, the lot, get you. <laughs> but that's been the number forever. Awesome. You guys have call. We're, we're around and. This business will be here for a long, long time. It sounds like it. I'm, I'm, uh, looking forward to seeing the next five years with you. I'll tell you so much. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. What is, what has happened in five years and you've kind of seen it all. So hopefully you don't go anywhere. I'm here with you. Well, I want to thank you, Dan, for being on. Um, I want to thank, um, listeners or viewers as well. Um, I encourage everyone to like and share. If you heard something today, refer, you know, this podcast to someone else. Thanks, Dan. Again, I, again, look forward to um, watching you grow and hopefully being a part of it or however we can help. Yeah. yeah. And um, thanks everyone. See you next time. And this has been another episode of Leaders Who Scale. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at leaderswhoscale.com. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class services and cutting-edge tools that help businesses grow and succeed.